0: Good times. good times. Well, we are continuing our series next level because here at Cultivation, we believe that 2019 is our year to break through to the next level. That's what we're believing for in 2019. Now, you know, we can we can sit here and we can look at that and we can say, man, that's a that's a cool catchphrase. It sounds good, it sounds exciting, you know. Uh, but 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 do we really believe it? I can tell you this, I really believe this. And I don't just believe it for our church, I believe it for you as an individual. I believe that 2019 has the ability to be your breakthrough year to go to the next level. Now last week we began this series and uh, I I had full intentions of going straight into one of the areas that I believe we're going to go to the next level in as a church. But then God changed my message on the Friday before last Sunday And uh, really spoke a message to me about how we as individuals, we have to determine our direction. We have to determine our direction. If we're going to go to the next level, we've got to determine that that's where we're going. Because you don't just get in the car and say, I'm going somewhere without getting any directions. You've got to have directions to know where you're going, right? So you have to determine where you're going before you can input it into your phone to tell it where you want to go. And then it gives you the steps on how to get there. We talked about how Paul in the book of Romans tells us that, you know, time is short. Time is short, and we have to wake up. We have to wake up because the day is coming to a close. You know, we don't talk about the second coming in church anymore. We don't talk about the second coming of Jesus, but it is very real, and it is going to happen. And let me tell you, we are a lot closer to it happening than we've ever been. I mean literally it can happen in this moment that we're in right now. Jesus is coming back. And it's time for our it's time for the church to wake up and realize that that is fact. Any of y'all watch Duck Dynasty, that's a fact, Jack. Let me tell you, it is going to happen. Now, we also talked about how we like this idea of breakthrough. That word sounds great. It just I mean, breakthrough, you know, when we hear about uh, the, 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 the next person coming up on the billboard charts, you know, it's their breakthrough hit. It's their breakthrough song. You know, they're, 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 it's just, it, it has this idea of success behind it, and I believe that's why we attach ourselves to that word when we hear it, is because we like the idea of success. But I believe that God was asking us Hey, listen, it's all good that you want a breakthrough, but do you want the breakthrough more than you want me to break in? And so we talked about that last week, and I believe it was something that we needed as a foundation for this series, because if we don't determine our direction, if we don't allow God to break in, then we cannot go to the next level in the three areas that I'll be speaking about in the next several weeks. Now, I said last week that there are three areas that I feel like God wants to take us as Cultivation Church to the next level in 2019. And those three areas are this. He wants to take us to the next level in his presence. I mean, I feel like we're on the precipice of that happening. This morning is probably a pretty good idea that that statement that I just made is true. There, there, there's got to be something inside of us that says where I'm at is not good enough. Where I'm at is not good enough. The, the, the experience that I have is not good enough. Because we don't serve a God that gets to a plateau and just stays there. We serve a God that continually goes higher and higher and higher. You know how I know this if it wasn't the case he wouldn't have created eternity yeah. you know why he created eternity because there's always going to be a next level in his presence yeah. <clears throat> we will never get tired of his presence because there's always going to be a next level the, other, uh, the second area is that I believe that in 2019 that we are going to go to the next level in community in community now I, I, I'm telling you I am really really excited about this and I'm excited about the message next week so you definitely don't want to miss that so you need to get to the house next week because it's going to be a great message because I believe that once we go to the next level in the presence of God it'll just make community go to the next level we'll become stronger as a church we'll become stronger as a family our relationships will grow stronger And that has to be the case if we're going to make a difference beyond these four walls. Because Jesus said in his word that you will know, that people will know that you are followers of me. What? Because of your what? Love for one another. So we have to have strong community in order for the community we live in to see a difference and to want that difference. And then the third thing is, is that I believe that God wants us to go to the next level in our generosity. In our generosity. And I'm not just talking about the I'm talking about. He wants us to become generous people. People that are generous with our time. Generous with our money. Generous with our possessions. Generous as a church to get out and serve this community. But today I'm going to be focusing on and talking about going to the next level in his presence. And we say things all the time about God's presence. If you, you, know, you might have heard statements like this, that God's presence is in this place. And you might be saying to yourself, well, I sure don't feel that. You know, I, I don't know what they're talking about. But they keep saying that God's presence is in this place. Maybe you feel the presence of God, but you just don't know what it is. We have people that come into this place all the time and they just say, I don't know what, but just something happened and I just started crying. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's because you are having an experience with the presence of God. We say things like this, where the presence of God is, anything is possible. I said it this morning. And you might be thinking, well, I don't know if that's so true or not. Well, the only way to figure that out is to go to the next level in his presence. Because I'm telling you. If we read scripture and we read about the times that Jesus showed up and his presence was there, it says the the lame were able to walk, the blind were able to see, the dead were raised to life. Let me just tell you, if you don't think that those things are impossible, uh, to me they are impossible in my flesh side of myself, that says, that's impossible. But because Jesus showed up on the scene, what was once impossible became possible we say things like this. Now I've got two questions for you. Let me ask you this. Have you experienced the presence of God? Now these are supposed to be introspective. Don't let like, shout you down. Okay? That's for later when the preaching gets really good. But have you experienced the presence of God? And then the second question is, is: have you encountered the presence of God? Now I know I can see some of your puzzled looks already. You're like, well, isn't that the same thing? Isn't that the same thing? Experience, encountering isn't that the same thing? No, it's not. Let me tell you what the difference is. Now, these are my definitions. So you're going to go to Webster's today, and you're going to be like, that fool was wrong. And he did give us the right definition. What is he doing? No, this is Matt Donnelly Dictionary right here. Okay? <coughs> but when I say, have you experienced the presence of God? What I'm talking about is, is that you have knowledge of it. You you know, it's like, think about it this way. Uh, My wife loves Disney World. She loves Disney World. I like Disney World. You see the difference there? Mm. Love and like, okay? You can like something, but you don't have to love it. But for Christina, it is like borderline infatuation, but in a loving way. It's just love, love all around. But here's the thing. You see, I can go to Disney World, and I can experience it, but it's not who I am. You see what I'm saying? So like, then when I come back, I can tell you that I have knowledge of it. I've experienced Disney. I can tell you about it, but I'm not Disney. Does that make sense? Okay, I don't live there. I'm not a part of it. I've just had an experience. When you experience something, You experience it, and then you leave it. But have you encountered the presence of God? And my definition of encounter is is that you have now come face to face to a point that it is now a part of who you are. You've encountered the presence of God, and it has absolutely changed who you are. Not just on the outside, but on the inside. You see, my fear is that a lot of us have had experiences with the presence of God, but we've never truly had an encounter with the presence of God. And I believe that this is why people get to a point of frustration in their walk with Jesus. Because you'll be in a service like this, and you might have the goosebumps on the back of your neck, and you might just feel like, man, this is awesome, it's great, but then you wake up tomorrow morning, and it's like, well, where is that? Where is that? Monday just hit me like a ton of bricks. Where is it? It's because you're only attaching yourself to an experience and not an encounter. It's almost as if like you just like the feeling, but then the feeling wears off, and then nothing changes. That's why I believe that a lot of people are frustrated in their journey of faith because they think, they think that they've encountered the presence of God when all they've really done is had an experience. Can I just say for you this morning that if that's where you say that you're at, you're frustrated. I've had an experience with the presence of God. It felt good. It sounded good. It was good. But then nothing really changed. And I just tell you that I believe that this is your year to break through to the next level and the next level for you is to have an encounter with this presence where it absolutely changes who you are where the presence of God now lives inside of you you see the reason one of the, one of the things that Jesus accomplished for us by get, going to the cross and then getting into the grave and conquering the grave and raising from from the dead was that he gave us the ability to now be inhabitants of the Holy Spirit of the Spirit of God we are now carriers of the presence of God if, if we have an encounter now going to the next level in his presence begins with a question that Jesus asked his disciples And I believe it is a question that he wants to ask you today. Now, think about the disciples for just a minute. In this whole experienced encounter thing. When they followed Jesus for three and a half years, I believe that they just had an experience after an experience after an experience. (laughs) And it's because they never left that they never got to the point of feeling like they didn't have that experience. Does that make sense? Until Jesus was no longer there, and then they totally just scattered. That's why they only had an experience, because when times got tough, when Jesus got taken out from from them, and and, and now they were not physically side-by-side, totally everything changed. It's because they only lived on an experience, and they went from one experience to the next, to the next to the next for three and a half years it wasn't until they were in that upper room in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit hit that place and filled them with his spirit that they had an encounter you see when they followed Jesus it was an experience after an experience after an experience they lived. For the experience but it was in that upper room when they dedicated themselves to obedience to doing what Jesus told them to do which was to go in that upper room and wait yeah. then an encounter happened and it filled them with the Holy Spirit and then came power yeah. that's the difference between an experience and an encounter somebody with you today yeah. Now look with me in Matthew 16 because this is where the question comes in that Jesus wants to ask you. It says this in verse 13, that when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist and some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. In verse 15, here's where it is. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am. Simon Peter answered, well, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, let's think about this for a minute. If you're in that room, it's like the teacher giving the spontaneous pop quiz. And I think like Jesus loved doing this kind of stuff. Like, like sometimes I think we take the God, I mean, now, listen, I'm not taken away from this being a serious moment. It was a serious moment, but you know like how you, you, you know that, that you're about to get the wrong answer and how it's like, you know how you do with your kids sometimes. You know that they've done something or that they're going to say the wrong answer and you're just setting them up for, for success right there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're teeing it up for them and they think they're going to get it right and then they don't get it right. And you just kind of have that little bit of satisfaction on the inside and then you just come and slam them, you know, with like the truth. Is that only me? (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, just crooked I even said anything. (laughs) Holy tough girl. (laughs) Anyway. So Jesus is there and he says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Because he knows the second question is coming. And all these disciples, like now, now think about it. I think they were all just jumping at the bit. Because now they're like, well, it's not on me. It's on what everybody else has said, right? So let me just give the answer, and hopefully I'll just say the right thing. And he'll say, boom, that's the right one. That's what he was doing. So they say John the Baptist. Some say John the Baptist. Well, that's kind of strange. And then some say Elijah. And others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Now some thought Jesus was a herald of national repentance like John the Baptist, so that might be the reason that they said John the Baptist. And some thought that Jesus was a famous worker of miracles like Elijah, so maybe that's the reason that they put his name forward. And some thought that Jesus was someone who spoke the words of God like Jeremiah and the prophet, so therefore maybe that's the reason that they gave that name. Perhaps in seeing Jesus in these roles, people hoped for a political Messiah who would overthrow the corrupt powers oppressing Israel. See, that's really what they thought he was going to be. They didn't think that he was going to come and do what he did, which was go to the cross, die, go into the grave, and rise again. They thought he was coming to overthrow the Roman Empire. That's what what people thought. Now, the general tendency in all of these answers was to underestimate Jesus listen to this, was to underestimate Jesus, to give him a measure of respect and honor, but to fall short of honoring him for who he really is. So what I mean by that is is that I believe, and I've been there, so I'm not saying that this hasn't been a place that I've been, but there are times where I have seen Jesus as just one particular thing, as John the Baptist because he's calling for repentance. Or I've just seen him as the guy who's going to provide the miracle so that I can get out of the the problem or the difficult situation that I'm coming out of. Or or I just see Jesus as the one who's going to bring forth a word for me. See, this is what happens when all we do is experience Jesus, is, is that we just see him as what he is in that moment. And that's how we treat him. And so if he doesn't come through for us because we're looking for that particular thing, then we just say, well, Jesus is no good. Let me push him out and then move on my merry way. That's what happens when we live on an experience. But then he asked them, but well, who do you say? Sometimes we we sell Jesus short in our life. Sometimes we don't give him the honor that is due to him because of the totality of who he is. So who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that Jesus is? Now, look at, look at his response in verse 17. This is Jesus speaking. He said, Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Something important in here. My Father in heaven has revealed this to you. What this tells me is, is that we have to position ourselves for revelation. We have to position ourselves for revelation, and when we do, it propels us to the next level in His presence. Position ourselves for revelation. Now Peter was 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 he 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 was a hardhead. He was a bull in a china shop. I mean he had, he probably had a salty mouth. I'm just saying. Like this guy, he, he was a fisherman. He, he was just a man's man. I mean, if you just want to put it, I mean, put like just a bull of a man. See what I'm saying? And so, like, he you know, you, you think about Peter in scripture, and he's the one that's always Always gonna say the thing first to the question. He's the one that got out of the boat. He was the one that just—he was just eager. Now he was—he—he he, was—he was probably more zealous at times than what he should have been. But one thing you can give the guy credit for is—is is that he positioned himself for revelation. Think about it. When he stepped out of the boat, he positioned himself for a revelation that says, man, whatever God tells me to do, he's going to make it happen. Regardless if it doesn't make sense to me to step on the water and I'm not going to sink. I'm going to stand on the water. You see what I'm saying? Peter was one that always positioned himself for revelation. Now, look, Peter Peter has no clue what he just said. You see what I'm saying? Like Peter is shocked at the fact that those things are coming out of his mouth because it wasn't him saying it. It was the revelation of God that was coming through his mouth. And he opened himself to that. You know, sometimes we make this whole thing about listening to God and hearing God, this big, big, humongous thing. And we think that we've got to have like everything set just exactly right in order for God to speak to us. When sometimes he speaks to us and you don't even know that he spoke to you. We have to position ourselves for revelation. Now, how do we do that? How do we do that? I think James gives us a great answer in chapter 4, verses 7 through 10, where it says, So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. There it is. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and this world. Isn't that the word that we heard this morning? Good night. And this, like, listen, let me tell you something. This scripture was in my notes on, on, on Friday. But yet God already spoke it, so you know he's in it. So some of you are in here and you're like, man, I don't know if this is real or not. Guess what? God just confirmed to you that it's real. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. If we want to position ourselves for revelation, if we want to go to the next level in his presence, we've got to humble ourselves. Right. And sometimes humbling ourselves is not a, a very uh, comfortable thing to do. It, it, it's not something that you really want or look forward to. It's not like if you were to wake up tomorrow morning and, and Siri said, good morning, Matt. <laughs> First thing on your agenda is humble yourself before God. Yes, I'm so excited for that like that's none of us. It's a hard place to get to But let me tell you when you humble yourself and you get to that position of just saying God here. I am It's it's less of me and more of you and, and you get to that place of humility Guess what the humility does it gives you the ability to resist? Those things that are in your life that should not be there to resist the devil let him flee from you and then it says When you do that, that is the process of coming closer to him. And as you get closer to him, guess what? He gets closer to you. We have to position ourselves for revelation. Here's another way that we position ourselves for revelation. We need to focus on the right thing. In Romans chapter 14, Paul says this in verse 17. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, when you read this passage in its entirety, Paul really is specifically talking about food because, you know, in the Jewish culture, there there, there were, you know, certain things you could eat, certain things you couldn't eat. It was a law thing. It was something that you had to obey by the law, but you know what? Like, Paul is hearing from the Holy Spirit and cutting through all of that, and he's saying, look, the kingdom of God is not a matter of if you eat the right thing or not. It's the matter of righteousness. It's the matter of of, of allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and reside. Now, while Paul was specifically talking about food and drink, I think there's a principle here that goes beyond just that, which is this. You know... I'm probably going to butcher this quote, but I I saw this quote from David Platt, and he said, um, he said, and and listen, I'm 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 butchering, but but you're going to get the the, the main point of it. This is what he said. He said, my 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 greatest fear is that uh, we have clinged to an American gospel instead of a biblical gospel. And when I read that, it made me think about this because we're making the kingdom of God about things that it's not about. We, we, we make the kingdom of God more about what this looks like. We make the kingdom of God more about having leather sofas and coffee and, and, and lights and smoke and, and, and all of that, which, I, hey, listen, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Listen, if we had smoke machines, they'd be bowling and going right now. Let me tell you, but let me say this. Let me say this. That no smoke machine, and and, and, and and look, please don't take this the wrong way. Because, like, like I know what you're thinking. Well, jeez, man, like, no. To each his own. All I'm saying is, is that we've made it more about performance than we've made it about presence. That's the American gospel. The biblical gospel says uh-uh, it ain't about that. It's about living a life of righteousness. You know, when's the last time we talked about living a life of holiness, living a life of righteousness, separating ourselves from the darkness and being a child of the light, which is what we're called to be, and then having peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. But you can't have peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You can't have righteousness when you crowd your life with crap. Now, why is this important? Why is it important that we follow that scripture right there? For the kingdom of God is not a matter of whatever, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's because of what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 12, verses 25 through 29, where it says, be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. Now, he's talking, this, this is the writer of Hebrews saying, saying listen, don't refuse to listen to God. Don't refuse to listen because he's the one that is speaking. You you want to listen to the world, but God is the one who's speaking. You need to listen to him. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Look at this. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. And this means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. And since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God. Is a devouring fire, a consuming fire. Now look, it says only unshakable things will remain. When we don't make the kingdom of God what it biblically is in our lives, we become shaken. we got to go to the next level in his presence, because it's only there that we become unshakable. The presence of God is the only sure footing, the only foundation that will not be shaken. And you better put yourself in position to be on that foundation and not on another foundation. Now let's get back to Matthew chapter 16 and finish up as Christina comes back. Y'all okay? Okay, y'all give me five more minutes? Just give me five more minutes. Let's get back to Matthew chapter 16 and finish up with what Jesus said to Peter. In verses 18 and 19 it says this, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I'll build my church. And all the powers of hell do not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Now, if you're still at a place where you don't know if you want to go to the next level in the presence of God or not, hopefully these next three points will. Because if this doesn't do it, I don't know what's going to do it outside of him I'm just coming and knocking you outside of the head. <laughs> saying, hello, McFly." <next> <laughs> There are three things that happen, and I'm not saying this is an all-inclusive list, but there are three things that happen when you go to the next level in his presence. Number one is this, promotion. Promotion happens when you go to the next level in his presence. See, we position ourselves for revelation, right? Peter now speaks that revelation and says, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And now, Jesus speaks a word that says, Your name is Peter. Which means rock and upon this rock I will build my church that was promotion for Peter now let me just say this I don't believe that this promotion was specifically confined to Peter because I believe that this is a promotion that is meant for all of us and I'm not just saying that I'm going to show you in first Peter Peter says this now think about it rock could also be stone right and in 1st Peter chapter 2 verses 4 through 10 it says as you come to him the living stone being Jesus rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ so what Peter was saying here is, is that and you've heard it maybe said this way there's a song written about it is that Jesus is the cornerstone back in those days when they built it was very important that you laid the cornerstone first so that you knew how all the other stones were supposed to go so that when the structure was built it was built properly and so that is who Jesus is Jesus is the cornerstone and so like when he told Peter upon this rock, I'll build my church, he's just saying, you're one stone in that foundation. But guess what? Peter's like, that promotion goes beyond me. It goes to you as well because we aren't just in a church. We are the church. We're each a living stone. We're each a living stone that's being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. And then if you skip down a couple of verses into verse nine. Oh, well, listen to this. This is what happens when you go to the next level of his presence. Promotion happens. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light." Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We have now become conduits of the spirit of God. Think about it. What was a priest in the Old Testament? He was the one that went as the conduit. He was the bridge between the people and the presence. Guess what we are? We're a bridge for the presence of God being on the inside of us. Tapping into somebody that has not had that experience yet. Has not had that encounter yet. Here's number two. So first is promotion. Here's promise, the, the second one is promise. When you go to the next level in his presence, there's a promise that comes with it, which he says, and upon this church, or upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail, or all the powers of hell will not conquer it. John 16, says, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the Now look, this isn't to say once you go to the next level in his presence that you're not going to deal with tough situations, that you're not going to deal with disappointment, heartbreak, real emotions. But as long as the presence resides in here, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, conquered death, lives inside of you. So there's a promise that comes with his presence. It says all the powers of hell will not conquer it. No matter what comes against you, no matter what situation you find yourself in, as long as the presence of God is in you, it might do some damage. I'm not saying it won't. But it's not going to conquer you. Number three is that when you go to the next level in this presence, there comes power. Promotion, promise, power. Promotion, promise, power. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. That word keys can be translated as authority. I have given you authority of the kingdom of heaven. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul says this, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation. Verse 20 is the important one. So we are Christ's ambassadors. You know, when you think about an ambassador of the United States being in other countries, guess what? They have authority in that country to perform the business of the country they represent in the country that they live in. See what I'm saying? So when... Paul says that we are ambassadors of Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we please. We are ambassadors. We carry a level of authority being a believer in Christ because he is allowing his message to go through us into the world that we reside in. We might be in this world, but we're not of this world. You see what I'm saying? We're an ambassador and we carry authority. Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. You know who took took, took this to heart? Was Peter. Remember after he has the encounter with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, Peter and John are going into the temple one day to have their daily time. And there's a layman. And he says, you know what? I don't have any money to give you, but one thing I do have is stand up and walk. That's because they had an encounter. They went to the next level in his presence. And now they had power. They had authority. They had the ability to do the same things that Jesus did when he walked this earth. I leave you with this. It's time that we position ourselves for revelation and go to the next.